It's show 103 of the Rim Pro Report. Today, Evan Lever of Data Bank in Tel Aviv, Israel, and the latest industry news. Uh, this show is sponsored by our good friends at O'Neill Software. You know, over the years, I've got to know the people at O'Neill, and uh, what I know is they're committed to your Rim service business success. Uh, the kind of products they produce, the the thought and the skill and the uh, just the the way they strategize about the kind of products that they're they're and services they're going to support you with is is second to none. From salespeople to management, technical support people, uh, customer service people that answer the phones and help people in situations, and they the the research and development team they're all working to support your business success with great software and great services. And if you're interested in learning more about them, you can do so at O'NeillSoft.com. You know, I'm watching the clock, and it seems to be saying that now is the appropriate time to start the show. Welcome to the Rim, Rim, Rim Pro Reports, the one and only weekly broadcast for the Rim support services industry. Bustling with news, views, here's what I believe, and the latest updates. That's just them. The show is full of interesting information. Stories. Yes. Important product and service reviews. Yes. And a cast of industry characters included. Yes. <laughs> Record center operators. Shred and destruction vendors. Media and electronic vaulters. Scanners and imaging providers. Take note, this show is for you. Now, here's your host, Tom Adams. Hey, it's me, and it's uh, creeping up to the end of August. Uh, for those of you in the northern climb, summer is coming to an end, as I expect you know. And, oh, there's so many already who are excited the kids are back to school. Others are waiting for them to go, but... All is well. I hope you've had a great summer if you've taken one. And if you're in the southern hemisphere, I hope you've had a great winter. I hope you're expecting a wonderful spring. This week on the show, I'm pretty excited to welcome Evan Lieber. He's the CEO and founder of DataBank. Evan and his partner, Anthony, built DataBank into the leading data protection facility in Israel over the last 10 years. Fact is, they seem to be the only major player in the market and dominate there. And while I've heard parts of the story from Evan over the years, meeting him at PRISM, I'm looking forward to today to learning about their story, their success, and how they got there. But before I get Evan on the line, let's catch you up on the latest industry news from the week. A new acquisition to report looks like business records management, BRM as we tend to know them from Pittsburgh, has acquired the Paper Exchange, a Pittsburgh area company with a full-service shred plant operation and a separate full-service record center. Uh, the Paper Exchange was started in 2006 and notably was ranked as one of Pittsburgh's fastest growing companies in 2006, 2009, and 2010. Uh, that seems to indicate they've been smoking for a while. BRM continues to solidify their regional presence in the Pittsburgh area. Congrats to BRM on the purchase and to the Prunziks on the sale of their business. More congratulations are in order today. Cintas is officially celebrating its 10th year in the RIM services industry. So congratulations to the entire Cintas team on this very cool landmark. 
Hey, this is interesting. The Shred Stop of Linwood, Washington has announced that it has partnered with Safeway stores in Seattle. Uh, the Shred Stop actually creates self-service shredding machines that look like to be the size of a soda machine or a DVD rental machine that you see in grocery stores. And they shred paper as well as other media. The capacity of these machines is approximately 50 sheets at a time and users can shred a file box in approximately five minutes. The cost of this service via the machine is $2 a minute. So that's interesting. Looks like John Miller and the team at Westex Document in Lubbock, Texas have won themselves another award. We've mentioned this a couple of times over the last year. This week they were awarded the State of Texas Small Business Award. So congratulations to John and the team. And finally, be sure to check out the new Nade Notes. This is a weekly industry blog by Bob Johnson, the CEO of Nade. Some great stuff in the blog already. If you're not reading it, make sure you add that to your weekly reading list. Hey, that's it for the news of RIM this week. If you've got news to share, please let me know. I'm going to get uh, the old phone and dial over there to Israel to see if we can get Evan Lever on the phone. Hang on a second while I do. Evan Lever is the CEO and co-founder of DataBank, a 10-year-old data protection company located just outside of Tel Aviv, Israel. I can't wait to hear the story. Uh, welcome, Evan, to the RIM Pro Report today. Are you there? Hey, Tom. How are you doing? Oh, it's so great to have you on the show. I know we uh, talked in, uh, I think it was Las Vegas last time and talked about having you on the show. So I'm really glad we finally have the chance to have you here. So let's begin this conversation talking about your business. Tell me a little bit about DataBank. Give us the big picture of what DataBank is, what you do. Tell us a little bit more about you as a company. Okay. So DataBank, we established it 10 years ago. It's yeah. a pure play data security business that is based just outside of Tel Aviv in Israel. Our core business is the secure offsite transportation, storage, and management of backup tapes for corporate clients. Um, basically, when we established the business 10 years ago in Israel, the service of offsite data protection did not exist. And 10 years on, today we still dominate the market, servicing over 850 customers. Wow. Where we manage about half a million backup tapes are under management today. Still today, we don't have any serious competition in this market, which I think is testament to how we operate the business and um, the reputation we have amongst our customers. Hmm. Um, about a year ago, we introduced cloud-based backup service. This was brought on to complement our core business. Yeah. And more recently, we started setting backup tapes, and we also introduced an, an information destruction service as well. And we also do a small amount of escrow work on the side as well. You're really a vault business, though. At the core of what you do is backup tapes on shelves that then you deliver back and forth on a daily basis. That's the, that's the core business. Yeah. Um, we've also established... Quite a, because we're so focused on it, we've established quite a unique business plan in how we operate the service as well as how we market the service to our customers. We had to educate the market in Israel yeah. um, about the need to get tapes off-site, professionally off-site, and that storing backup tapes at home or on-site wasn't um, the best idea in the world. 
I dug into your story a little bit, and it seems to me like you weren't originally from the Tel Aviv area. You're from Australia, are you not? Yeah, so basically, I was actually born in South Africa, but I grew up in Australia. My wow. partner, Anthony, he was born in Scotland, grew up in Australia. Okay. Now, I spent a year in Israel after high school, and I came back to Australia then a couple of times during university. I visited Israel, which was during the late 90s, and I was impressed by the high-tech boom and the associated transformation that was happening in Israel at the time. Israel's very, very focused in in the high-tech sector, and most large multinational technology companies have huge R&D centers in Israel, like Google and Intel and HP and Dell and Cisco. Apple just set up their first R&D center outside of Cupertino, California in Israel. Hmm. It's often known, it's got a reputation for being known as a startup nation, so there's this buzz around technology. Um, So... I was impressed by what I'd seen here, where there was a country with no natural resources in a pretty rough neighborhood, and it found a way to develop itself to become world leaders in technology, and at that time, I wanted to be part of it somehow. So you're in Australia, you've been to Israel a number of times, and you know this about the area, you know it's a high-tech area, so what causes you to make the jump then to start up a business? Like, that that's a significant move to make. I, I know I moved from Canada to the, to the U.S. and changed, you know, created my business down here, and I know how hard that was. It's got to be significantly harder to do what you did. T- tell me a little bit about how you pulled all that off. Well, <laughs> I think it comes down to I was 24 at the time. I was yeah. young. I was naive. I was looking for an adventure. I have an entrepreneurial background inside me. When during school and university, we were always running little businesses. Yeah. And after meeting my business partner, Anthony, and we started talking, we both came from the industry of data protection. I had worked at IBM. He had worked at a company that offered a service similar to DataBank in Australia. Yeah. And we had both landed up in Israel, and we started researching the market, and we discovered very quickly that IBM and HP were offering very high-level data protection or business continuity services, but nobody was offering the simplest solution of all, which was the off-site storage and transportation of backup tapes. So basically, we, after researching the market, we saw there was an opportunity. We built a business plan. Now, I was doing some research work for a businessman who kept saying to me he's looking to invest in businesses. Hmm. So we presented the idea to him and his business partner. They liked the idea. Um, But they said to us, you know what, go speak to our accountant. So we went off to speak to their accountant, and he sat down and he goes, nah, I don't think any Israeli is going to trust you with their data. But hang on a second, let me make a phone call. So he makes a phone call, and he gets off the phone after five minutes, and he says, boys, You've got yourself a business. Wow. He had just called the CIO of Lehman Brothers in Israel, and she said to him, oh my God, I've been searching for this service all over, and it does not exist in Israel. So with this in place, basically, we set up operations a few weeks later in the basement of our investors' building. (laughs) And And we hit the phones and made a lot of cold calls and a lot of meetings, and we built the business brick by brick. From the ground up. 
Wow. So was the decision to start in Tel Aviv related to that being a technology hotbed? That's where all these international companies are setting up their R&D centers? Or it's just the best place to be? Or what made you choose there? Well, that location in Israel is very central. We're not in the center of Tel Aviv where the banking sector is. We're on the outskirts where there's more technology companies and things like that with better transportation links. 80% of our business comes from the center of the country, with the other 20% within a two-hour drive from where we're located. So we service basically the entire business community from one single vault. But basically, the decision was about the area of Tel Aviv is where the technology is, and um, it was a good location to be, basically. So you get this thing going, and it seems like a number of years ago, you create a brand new facility that's state-of-the-art. I hear it's very, very secure. So tell me a little bit about the facility you built to support this really solid business. Okay, so basically um, the facility that we have, we built it, it's um, purpose-built. Yeah. Three floors underground. It's unmarked, which is in line with Bank of Israel standards for keeping our banking data. It's extremely secure in terms of a lot of different access controls and doors and security systems and all that. About two years ago, we received an approval from the Israel Ministry of Defense. So that just indicates how serious the security is. And then it's been built with all the environmental controls that you need to maintain the right temperature and the right humidity for backup media, as well as we have FM200 gas suppression inside the facility. We have about 800 kilos of gas. And it's a very impressive facility. So when we anybody comes for a vault hall, they're blown away by what they see in yeah. the databank. Yeah. And it's very functional in terms of how we operate. We pretty much decided to go on the lines of fixed shelving for efficiency in terms of picking runs. Yeah. And archive storage is done in a more condensed format towards the back of the facility. Oh, okay. So how many square um, like how many square feet or how how large is this facility now? It's about 700 square meters, so that's about, I think, 7,000 square foot. Wow. In terms of storage of tapes, and obviously tapes are small, so you yeah. you get a lot of storage inside that space. So um, so this is a unique building to itself, and it, you said it's purpose-built, so you just dug a hole in the ground? Is that what you did? No, the building was, was already standing. It was oh. an office block building. Okay. And then down below in the basement of the building, we managed to convince them to build our facility inside there. Wow. Um, which is a lot a lot a lot more cost effective way to construct it because the infrastructure was already standing, but the actual walls and doors and everything else associated with that was built out specifications. Right. Wow. So uh, d- down below, so people would that have been like a parking structure beforehand or something like that? Yeah, so it originally was part of the building's parking lot, essentially. When we set up our facility, our initial facility in Israel, customers said to us, great, we like the idea, but you must be sure that your the facility is underground um, just because of the security um, issues that Israel um, can face from time to time. Yeah, yeah. So that was a, a very important thing. Now, the problem is to find a suitable location is, you can't just convert a parking lot into storage space because of guidelines that the local councils have. And they say, okay, well, that, that, this building is zoned for X number of parking spots. 
building that had underground space zoned for warehousing. Oh, so it took you a while to get to this place where you actually found something that worked for you. Yeah, we were searching for probably about a year. We were originally based in Tel Aviv in a small facility inside our investors' building. Right. We outgrew that very, very quickly. It was tiny, but we outgrew that very quickly. Then we built another facility probably about 10 kilometers away from there. And that facility, we thought, you know, it would be there for 10 years. And within two years, we were full. Wow. So five years ago, we built this facility, and we're now running at about 80% capacity on this current site that we have. So do you have any more uh, parking structures lined up yet for the next the next build? The next build, the strategy is basically building an archive facility where the archives, which aren't accessed that often, will basically be stored there. We've got certain ideas of where we want to put it. We've done our research into what the cost will be. Um, so we're pretty much ready to run when we need to do it, but um, we don't imagine that will be in the next. Um, six months or so. Wow. We need to start focusing on, on such a thing. You've indicated by the very nature of how much you've grown that you've had a relative amount of success over the last 10 years. Considerable success, it sounds like. So looking back over the last 10 years, what would you credit uh, your success to? What, what would you say are the things that have really helped you to grow and build a business that has been so significant, so dominant in a market that nobody else is competing with you even? Yeah, well, I think the the first thing I would credit towards our success that we've had is the passion and perseverance that myself and Anthony have for the business and for the idea of storing backup tapes for fight. Um, we're very customer service focused, so as soon as a customer has a query, a question, or even a complaint, we ensure that us or our staff jump on it. The other thing that we do is we, when we're presenting to a customer or a potential customer of the service, we advise them on a service that they need as opposed to the most expensive service available. Hmm. And that, I think, builds an element of trust towards uh, our customers. And we've always managed the business by keeping our expenses low, and that puts us in a very strong position for profitability and also resilience. And we've never overextended ourselves and we run the business completely debt-free. Wow. It's um, a fantastic position, position to be in. Yeah, now, that's... unlike most off-site data protection operators, we run a different business model in terms of we sell our service as an information security package as opposed to a commodity. And each year, myself and Anthony try to attend a prison conference, and we're always fascinated by the lack of focus to off-site data protection from the major records management players. And the impression that we get is that it's a side product of paper storage, mm-hmm. and they treat it as such, while in reality, that if it's managed and sold correctly, it is extremely lucrative business, where we operate on much higher margins and lower capex as the paper storage players run. Right. Yeah, so it's, it's basically, we've also been fascinated why none of the global records management players have decided to enter the Israel market, because there's hundreds, if not thousands, of multinational companies that operate here. But for whatever reason, they've decided to not enter, which I suppose has been, been the positive for us. That's enabled us to continue to grow our business without, without any competition from an international player on 
on that front. Well, maybe they know you're there. Maybe they do know we're there. So, um, they, they, Maybe they've heard a rumor that you guys are there, and they're going, we're not messing with them. They're too good. Yeah, well, I think as, as far as the off-site data protection business, from what I've seen, we run a pretty smooth operation and a pretty well-managed and efficient operation. I think it would be quite hard to compete against us. How have you used the, because you have, you said you went into a market that really didn't do this, how did you educate people around this whole information security package that you're offering? Obviously, this was a labor of love, and you said early on you picked up the phone and made calls. There were people who were waiting for you guys to show up, it sounds like, but there's a whole lot of your 850 clients who probably didn't know that this service existed and didn't quite know how to do it. So what did it take to get in those doors and educate them about the value and power of information security uh, in the form of data protection in an offsite vault? Okay, it's, it's quite a, a funny story, the strategy that we use. And we still use, use it today in terms of getting into in front of the CIO or the IT manager. So basically, when we started the business, we had no Hebrew, and we had no option but to do the cold calling in English. Right. And what we found was when we'd call and we'd get to the front desk of the, the company, the secretary at the front desk had no idea why we were calling, assumed because the call was in English it was important, and put it directly through to who we needed to speak to. <laughs> now, then... When speaking to the, so once we threw the gatekeeper and speaking to the CIO or IT manager, 90% of the time they'd agree to meet us even if they had no idea what we were talking about. So once we're in front of the customer then, or the potential customer, then we have a great opportunity to present the service that we do. And basically the education comes around, we always try to say, okay, the data is a strategic asset of the company. And it needs to be managed in the same fashion as you would manage the company money or the company cash. Right. And you'd never be in a position where, let's say, a company is worth $10 million, that the IT manager or office administrator would take that money to the house or keep it in their car. Right. So it's a whole strategy of repeating this over and over again um, for them to gain an understanding. And over the 10 years, we've managed an extremely successful approach to educating the customers and we've had continued growth upwards. Initially, we had a lot better success with the high-tech sector and the multinational sector because they were either looking for the service or more open to the concept of what happens outside of Israel. Right. But now, 10 years on, we've managed to crack the entire market where the government has, um, has approved, data bank has, supply for them and also has gone to the extent of determining that databank is a sole supplier of this sort of service and the other thing that's fueled our growth um, and also has fueled companies in Israel having to face what they're doing with their backup media is regulation and compliance where Israel follows a lot of the regulation that happens in the US so Sarbanes-Oxley is a, is a big puller for us hmm. in terms of companies needing to archive and store the data correctly, as well as companies if they want to be FDA compliant or PCI compliant. Offsite storage is obviously an important role right. in, that, in that process for them. Right. Also saying that, 
terms of Sarbanes-Oxley, companies listed on NASDAQ, Israel is the second most rated nation after the U.S. So there's hundreds of Israeli-listed companies that are traded on NASDAQ, and therefore they need to comply with Sarbanes-Oxley. So the, the whole compliance thing has been a real benefit to you then, obviously. Yeah, so that's been a real benefit for us, and it's made Israeli business wake up to the way companies need to operate on a on a international level, basically. Yeah. And taking backup tapes to your house just doesn't cut it. Right. So looking back over the 10 years you've been doing this, what have been some of the highlights uh, that you've experienced? What have been some of the things that have made you most proud or some of the best moments in the in this process? I assume getting into your new facility was a, a pretty cool time, but have there, have there been any other sort of moments that you look back on and go, that was a real turning point or that was a real proud moment for us? Yeah, I think I'll say my biggest highlight that we often remember is finding the very first customer, which was in August 2002. Wow. And that customer is still a customer today, and the IT manager is still in the same position. Wow. So that's, that's quite cool, that, yeah. um, that memory, as well as just knowing that we built a business from the ground up that now provides a salary for 25 families, which is also quite a cool thing. That's a big thing. That's a big responsibility. It's a big, um, it's it's a big part of the pride that comes with building a cool company, isn't it? Yeah. So I think that's a very important issue or an important um, thing about the business is providing people with an income and providing people with a future and a place for people to to grow. Where we've had guys that start out as drivers and have grown up through the ranks and are now at mid-level management. Wow, that's um, very cool. So we do try to grow our employees internally as well. Yeah. So what have been some of the hardest things you've had to experience? What What are some of the things that along the way were those kind of things that kept you up at night and uh, and yet you got through them? But what were they at the time? I'll say the hardest thing was moving to our current facility in 2007, where overnight we had to move the tapes of, at the time I think it was about 400 customers, while still continuing operations without missing a beat. Wow, yeah. And basically, we worked day and night for a good few weeks to get fully functional in the new facility. Um, so I'd say that's probably the hardest thing that we had to go through in, in the whole 10 years of running this business. And I don't have any desire to relocate again, at least the, <laughs> the full operation. Yeah. So if you could go back and do it all again, you, you with all the experience, all the knowledge, all the success you've had now, if you could go back back when you and Anthony started this in 2002, what would you? What advice would you give the two of you? Um, firstly, I think that, like to say this, I think we've managed the growth um, pretty well in terms of we never tried to run before we could walk. So we built it very, we started very small, and step by step and step by step, we grew the business, which I think was the right way to go. We never extended ourselves and didn't get us into a situation of having large debt and things like that. I'd say one of the things I would improve would be start with software from day one. We only implemented tape track to manage the business, I think it was about two or three years into the business before that we were running off Excel worksheets and Ooh. crazy things like that. Wow. And it's such a vital part of the business, the tape track software for us. So that's the one thing. And the other thing which was uh, 
quite a error that was made, but it was just culture at the time in doing business in Israel, that at the time it was customary for Israeli companies to charge their customers in U.S. dollars. And at that time, one U.S. dollar was valued at almost five shekels. Then in 2008, the shekel strengthened dramatically, um, so it came to around three and a half shekels to the dollar. Hmm. So we basically had a drop of shekel revenue. Now, we were able to overcome this, or partially overcome it, where we decided to switch our customers from dollars to the Israeli shekel at a rate of four in 2009. So it was basically it was a lot of hard work in terms of switching customers over when the rate had dramatically dropped. Hmm. But if I was to start it again, I would definitely only charge in the currency that your country operates in and not not a foreign currency. Right. So I think those are the, the two key things about what I would change. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you've had quite the story, and uh, it sounds like it's been a wonderful ride so far, 10 years in, and it sounds like another the next 10 will be even more exciting, new opportunities, new buildings. And uh, wow, very cool. It's it's a it's a great story, Evan. And I believe from what I've heard about you and what you're doing that it's uh, it's just going to continue to grow dramatically. Yeah, I I imagine so. We've basically we've grown month on month, quarter of quarter, every single month and quarter in the past ten years. There hasn't been a month where we've gone backwards. That's amazing. Um, That's so cool. And, that's a pretty cool thing about the business and where we stand today. Yeah. So on a personal note, it, you're a successful business owner, partner in a business, and uh, you work hard. Obviously, you work a lot of hours. You put a lot of time in. So if you had the luxury of, of taking a week off and going anywhere in the world you wanted to go and you could have the ultimate vacation, where would you go? Um, good question. I do actually, we do travel quite a bit. Um, because our family is located all over the world. My family is in Australia, and my wife's family is in England. We just came back from a vacation in England um, this week. So we won't be going to Australia or England for the spring <laughs> vacation. But um, then I'm talking the ultimate I'm, one. I'm talking the, the one that, you know, there's no family involved. As much as you love your family, I know, but there's no family involved. You just get to go and be in your very own space, and you can have the most perfect vacation ever known to man. What would yours be? Yeah, I know. That's what I was saying. That I'm not taking. <laughs> I'm not going to visit any family. So Australia and England out of the right, question. Right. Right. Obviously. Vacation. Right. I'm quite keen to explore the Caribbean. That's one thing I'd like to do. Yeah. And the other thing I'd love to do is once the kids grow up, is take a car and drive across the state, across the U.S. Um, that's something I really would love to do. Well, we would love to have you come here, and, and if you drive into San Diego, you got to come and see us, but man, it's been great talking to you. Thanks for spending the time. I know we're on different time zones right now, and uh, we're both probably a little tired just to, to make this all work, but uh, thanks for doing it. I really appreciate it, and uh, continued success. Say hello to Anthony for us, and, and give give our regards to the rest of your team there. You're doing great work. Thanks, Tom. Well, there you go. Another great story. Special thanks to Evan Lever for joining us on the show today. And thank you to you as well. If you've got a cool story to tell, I'd love to hear from you. Special thanks again to O'Neill Software for sponsoring this show. 
You know, I was taking a look recently at the RS Mobile software, which empowers users with incredibly cool functionality that typically in, in the historical record center operation would, would only work on a workstation. But this whole new RS Mobile software that O'Neill continues to perfect and move forward uh, actually does full record center activities such as downloading and uploading pick lists and work orders. They create route operation assignments. They upload truck work order and delivery validations. Tasks that previously took many steps requiring training and understanding and uh, meant that the mobile user had to return to the workstation now can be completely directed from their handheld saving a lot of time and that always means money. It's amazing stuff and if you're interested you can learn more about it at O'Neillsoft.com. Well, that's it for us. Another great show today. I look forward to talking to you in a week. Have a great one. We'll see you. Bye. Thanks for joining us on the Rim Pro Report with Tom Adams. If you enjoyed the show, please tell others. Our website is www.rimproreport.com. Where you can find show archives and a whole lot more. This broadcast is produced and hosted by Flourish Press Incorporated. Join us again soon.